Welcome to Dave's Daily Crypto Take. Today is Sunday, June 13th, 2021. Let's take a look at the prices for today. Up first, we got Bitcoin at BTC, $36,077, up 1.05%. At number two, we got Ethereum at $2,374, down 1.18%. At number three, Tether at $1, steady at 0.00%. Binance Coin at number four at $337.87, down 0.61%. Number five, Cardano ADA at $1.45, up 0.39%. At number six, we got Dogecoin at $0.31, cents, up 49.049%. At number seven, we got XRP at $0.83, cents, up 0.80%. At number eight, USD coin at $1, just steady at 0.01% down. Number nine, Polkadot at $20.50, down 1.06%. And number 10, Uniswap at $20.98, down 2.45%. So before we get into the articles, let's just take a look at the crypto fear and greed index. So why should we measure fear and greed? Well, the crypto market behavior is very emotional. People tend to get greedy when the market is rising, which results in FOMO, fear of missing out. Also, people often sell their coins in irrational reaction of seeing red numbers. Without our fear and greed index, we try to save you from our own emotional overreactions. There are two simple assumptions. Number one, extreme fear can be a sign that investors are too worried. That could be a buying opportunity. Two, when investors are getting too greedy, that means the market is due for a correction. Therefore, we analyze the current sediment of Bitcoin market and crush the numbers into a simple meter from zero to 100. Zero means extreme fear, while 100 means extreme greed. So let's take a look at the index for today. We got extreme fear at 23, and yesterday was just fear at 28. Last week was extreme fear at 17, and last month was fear at 26. So uh, today we got about six articles. So we're going to start off with number one, the Sunday effect sends crypto crashing on weekends, which means it might never go mainstream. So ever heard of the Sunday effect? Lately, it seems every weekend crypto values plummet. And it's a trend with major ramifications for the future of crypto as a serious investing contender. Investors and investment managers have anxiously been waiting a decision from the Securities Exchange Commission on the approval of Bitcoin exchange traded funds or ETFs, which would have to be traded on the exchange. In other words, on the stock market and therefore only during the hours the stock market is open. Right now, cryptos don't have such any limitations and can be traded anytime. Should the price of Bitcoin abruptly plummet on a Saturday, investors in a Bitcoin ETF would theoretically be trapped in that fund until the market opens on Monday. Should it spike, they'd have to wait to trade for a profit. Fortune reports. So an ETF could turn Bitcoin into a more mainstream option, but could also spell disaster for those trapped in the weekend holding pattern. Investors eager to hear about that crypto ETF will likely have to wait for a while. Several companies have filed with the SEC, 
but the commission has either rejected or delayed its decision on many of them. Van Eck, for example, registered this ETF in March, and the SEC usually takes 45 days to approve or disapprove a filing. In the statement in April, the commission said it was extending the period, which should have ended May 3rd and pushed it to June 17th. And WisdomTree, whose Bitcoin ETF was registered in April, saw its decision pushed to July 14th from May 30th, according to an SEC notice. The commission finds that it is appropriate to designate a longer period within which to take action on a proposed rule change so that it has sufficient time to consider the proposed rule change and the comments received, according to the statement at the time. The Financial Times reports that the SEC chair, Gary Gensler, tapped in hopes of a swift approval of Bitcoin's ETFs this year. In testimony before the House of Representatives Subcommittee on Financial Services last week, Gensler said there are many challenges and gaps for investor protection in crypto markets, according to the report. So Bitcoin going mainstream is a game changer for the world of finance and is revolutionizing the way we view money in the economy of tomorrow, David Grasso, Bold TV CEO, told Go Banking Rates in April. Still, I don't think it's any surprise that the government, specifically regulators, are proceeding with caution. Creating proper oversight is not an easy task, and I do not envy those making those calls. Overregulation can distort markets and create serious consequences, while underregulation can create systemic issues and fuel social problems, Grasso added. So with that, the Sunday effect uh, just seems that the crypto crashing uh, numbers are always on the weekend and prominently on Sundays. With the second article, we see SEC requests two more months to prepare internal docs on Bitcoin, Ethereum, and XRP. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is preparing to disclose a massive amount of emails and internal documents about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and XRP, but it wants more time. So in brief, two points. Number one, the SEC will share its emails and internal documents related to Bitcoin, Ethereum, and XRP by mid-August. Two, Ripple won the motion in April and wanted the files by June 18th. The SEC said it's too much work. So the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission wants a New York court to give it two more months to disclose emails and internal documents on Bitcoin, Ethereum, and XRP making careful, good faith determinations of applicable privileges as it's required in these circumstances is a sensitive, time-consuming endeavor, the SEC wrote in a letter to the court on Friday. The SEC has alleged since December that payments company Ripple has raised over $1.3 billion in ongoing unregistered securities sales of its native currency, XRP. Ripple denies the allegations. On March 15th, Ripple asked Judge Sarah Netburn to order the SEC to hand over its communications about crypto. Ripple's law lawyers think that the SEC could be prejudiced against crypto. Proof of prejudice could help Ripple win the case, claimed the lawyers. On April 6th, Judge Netburn granted Ripple's request, in large part denying its request to access the SEC's staff emails about XRP's legal status. 
on June 4, Ripple asked the court to order the SEC to give a deadline of June 18. Scraping through all the data takes time, the SEC responded in its June 11 filing. The agency called the June 18 deadline one-sided. The SEC said the agency has already collected 25,000 emails and is still reviewing tens of thousands of internal documents. But it has to speak with its former employees to make sense of some of the old documents, it said. Ripple's lawyers want the information by June 18. It accused the SEC of purposely delaying the production of documents as a reasoning for extending the discovery schedule. For almost a decade, the SEC watched as XRP grew and developed, all the while issuing no formal guidance that its sales may be illegal. Counsel from Ripple wrote in the March 15th filing to U.S. District Court Judge Sarah Netburn. The SEC did, however, announce that sales of two similar digital assets, Bitcoin and Ether, were not securities offerings, but the SEC has never disclosed its internal reasoning. We will soon find out. So it looks like SEC requests two more months. They just need more time to prepare. Article number three is cash or Bitcoin? El Salvador's small business owners speak. Some remain unconvinced embracing Bitcoin will benefit them. So on Tuesday, June 8th, Salvadoran Congress passed a new law making El Salvador the first country in the world to classify Bitcoin as a legal currency. The lawmakers, with 62 out of 84 votes, approved President Nayib Bukele's proposal to embrace cryptocurrency. The Salvadoran government believes Bitcoin will mean fewer fees for family remittances, more foreign investment, and a path to becoming an innovative technology hub. Cryptocurrency fans and business media around the world applauded the historic decision. In El Salvador, how many? Many people are against it. This includes Leonor Selva, the executive director of El Salvador's largest organization representing the private sector, who has criticized the currency's volatility. She writes that the vendor may never be sure how much they earn from a transaction. Bitcoin is a decentralized cryptocurrency, so it does not depend on any authority or central bank and is sent from user to user on the peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin network. One of the main critiques is that the law will force businesses to accept Bitcoin as a form of payment. So what does this new Bitcoin law mean to the average Salvadoran or the small business owner? To get a better sense of the idea of the on-the-ground reaction, I went to Sestutepec to get some answers. Sestutepec, located near the Honduran border, is similar to most cities in the country. It has a small tourist industry and about 25,000 residents, many of whom receive remittances from relatives in the U.S. I spoke to 20 local small businesses about the new law. The ones willing to answer my questions told me that they only accepted cash as a form of payment and had no plans to use Bitcoin. These 20 businesses have a physical space, yet more than 75% are not registered as business entities, meaning they do business outside the formal economy. All in all, in El Salvador, less than a third of businesses are registered, so only a few could benefit from the currency at the time being. 
Ernesto Vasquez, a local business owner, is taking a wait-and-see approach regarding Bitcoin. Vasquez runs a construction and renovation business in the town. He explained that over 70% of his clients are Salvadorans living abroad who own property in the area, he said. Here's a translation. Most of the people I work for live outside El Salvador. They send me payment via remittances. Now, if any of them wants to pay me in Bitcoins in the future, I might have to accept it. However, I would immediately go and convert it to cash. I will not keep it and speculate the future value of this currency. The banking sector expected to suffer from the introduction of Bitcoin as the new currency could dis disrupt the remittances industry. Annually, more than $6 billion, about a fifth of El Salvador's GDP, enters the country via family remittances. As most people who receive the money do not have bank accounts, they have to pay high fees to financial institutions to get the money in cash. In Sesotepec, I met Oscar Barrera, a small business owner who owns a computer and cell phone repair shop. He is a Bitcoin supporter and plans on using it. In a translation, Speculating on Bitcoin's future value is something people like me who understand Bitcoin will do. Other businesses or individuals who receive Bitcoins will immediately convert it to cash. They need that money to do business the following day or to survive. Private citizens were hesitant to share their views on Bitcoin with global voices. Since El Salvador has a big problem with extortion, most individuals are unwilling to talk about their finances. However, a great majority of the 11 people who accepted to talk with me said that they will not be using Bitcoin, most of all because of a lack of knowledge about the currency. President Nayib Bukele tweeted that the law was made as simple as possible and that the government would guarantee the exchange rate, according to the law, and Sal Salvadoran government will promote the necessary training and mechanisms so that the population can access the Bitcoin transactions. So from Nayib Bukele's tweet, a translation is, hashtag Bitcoin law is ambitious, but simple. Plus it is well-structured to have zero risk for those who do not want to take risks. The government will guarantee convertibility to the exact dollar of value at the time of each transaction. So on top of price volatility, critics have pointed out Bitcoin's use in illegal transactions, insecure exchanges, and its large carbon footprint due to the amount of electricity that digital currency needs to be created. To address this issue, Bukele said he plans to use clean geothermal energy from volcanoes to lessen the currency's carbon footprint. Some Salvadoran economist pointed out that Bitcoin could open the door to corruption and money laundering. Given that Bitcoin is a digital currency, that leaves no trace of the transactions made. This sparks concern as the Salvadoran government has been signaled as increasingly authoritarian and opaque. The Bitcoin cryptocurrency was already in use in El Salvador. The small surfing beach towns of El Zonte and El Tunco have been using it for over a year. From a tweet from Jimmy Fuentes, in a translation, it says, a lady selling minuta on the beach of El Tunco can handle hashtag Bitcoin.
but you who are from the capital are worried and do not know what is Bitcoin. Michael Peterson, the creator of the Bitcoin Youth Program in El Salvador, argues that educating people on the advantages and drawbacks of accepting Bitcoin is the way forward. He wrote, I think the key for Bitcoin adoption is just getting people in the door. Once they see how well it works, then they are willing to put the effort in. So again, is it cash or Bitcoin? El Salvador's small business owners speak out. So before we move on to the next article, I'd just like to say thank you very much to everyone that's been listening and tuning in. Um, again, this is Dave's Daily Crypto Take. I much appreciate if you can just like, subscribe, and share the video or this podcast. Um, the more listeners, the more ears that this podcast and this video can reach, the more that we can learn together and that we can take this journey into the future. So again, thank you very much. And let's move on. So article number four we got is NVIDIA CEO says Ethereum is going to be valuable and is excited about proof of stake. So during a recent interview with VentureBeats Dean Takashi in an online-only Computex event, Jensen Huang, CEO of NVIDIA, gave his thoughts on the Ethereum proof-of-stake blockchain and its value. With the Ethereum's network's current reputation, Huang believes many people consider it a legitimate, established, and credible network that works well. At present, a lot of people depend on it for DeFi and other things. This is a great time for proof-of-stake to come, Huang elaborated. He states, am I excited about proof-of-stake? The answer is yes. I believe that the demand for Ethereum has reached such a high level that it would be nice for either somebody to come up with an ASIC that does it or for there to be another method, the NVIDIA CEO told VentureBeat. So the transition phase will see new Ethereum protocols such as the transition to Ethereum 2.0, which is crucial for getting a hold on spiraling fees and holds away for the broader adoption of Ethereum particularly for the masses, according to Huang. Quote, it's now established that Ethereum is going to be quite valuable. There's a future where the processing of these transactions can be a lot faster. And because there are so many people built on top of it now, Ethereum is going to be valuable. So Ethereum's network has value. Ethereum's upgrade known as EEIP1559 part of a more significant move toward Ethereum 2.0, we'll see the network's current transaction fee system revised. So users send a fee to the network itself instead of to the miners that maintain the network. Said fees would then be burned, reducing the overall Ether supply, which in and of itself is a controversial topic among the cryptocurrency community. In the meantime, there will be a lot of coins mined, for this reason, Huang's firm created a new product called CMP. This fresh off-the-line product is designed for professional crypto mining. So again, it looks like CEO of NVIDIA says Ethereum is going to be valuable in the future and is excited about proof of stake. Are you excited about the proof of stake and Ethereum 2.0? Comment below. Article number five is what people in misinterpreted on a massive scale about Bitcoin. So what is the misinterpretation? 
Two of the hottest trends that drifted over the past couple of years include institutional investment moving to include Bitcoin in their balance sheets and environmental, social, and governance factors becoming a bone of contention. Thanks to Elon Musk's recent tweets, the question of it if the two factors are mutually exclusive started gaining traction. Fair to say, a lot of these speculations have already affected the largest crypto coin standing. The mining industry has already started moving away from China and towards the West. Fred Thiel, CEO of Marathon Digital Holdings in the latest edition of Thinking Crypto, stated, BTC mining industry has already made great progress towards carbon neutral neutrality. He added, the aim is to become 100% carbon neutral rolling 70,000 miners on carbon neutral power, which operate on 100% renewable energy. Here's an illustration of the Bitcoin energy annual consumption. Keeping in mind the shift the industry is undergoing, does that mean we can anticipate a drop in this graph? Well, Theo further stated, ESG is a story, an important story, the story behind which the BTC Council was formed mainly to educate people. Investors now want to put their money to use in a more environmentally friendly venture. So, but the cost factor comes to play. Many investors would prefer a greener Bitcoin mining, however, won't be ready to invest in it. Is the ESG narrative going away anytime soon? Well, Theo said, Bitcoin in the past was associated with terrorism and money laundering and whatnot, but gradually everyone saw its potential. It's funny because U.S. dollar has much more of these illicit activities than BTC. Furthermore, he added, yes, no doubt Mark's tweets or Musk's tweets added fuel to the fire. However, what people need to understand that Musk stressed the coal mining aspect of Bitcoin, which was done in China mostly. But unfortunately, the people here misinterpreted on a massive scale. The misunderstanding could possibly lead to some repercussions that include the current Bitcoin price consolidation phase. Due to the price drop, the assets volatility became an issue again. Taking into consideration Bitcoin's anticipated ETF with American regulators, SEC, further delay and approval mainly because of the concerns with regard to its volatility, Theo stated, quote, I applaud the SEC for taking out time to look into this, but the truth is time is running out. There's a lot of interest in these products across the world. Canada approved BTC ETFs, and Theo hopes that this year a BTC ETF will get approved by the SEC. So again, we're talking about the three-letter companies and government like SEC. How about the last article for today, the FBI? And this one's a pretty interesting article. It states, FBI seizes 800 Beverly Hills safety deposit boxes with $86 million worth. Attorneys claims Fed's raid was unconstitutional. So the Federal Bureau Investigation FBI is under fire for an alleged unconstitutional seizure of 800 safety deposit boxes in Beverly Hills. According to reports, the FBI confiscated $86 million in cash, jewelry, and thousands of gold and silver bars. Box holders and their lawyers are calling out the Federal Law Enforcement Agency for lacking sufficient proof that the boxes held evidence of being tied to specific crimes.
So is it an abuse of power? Lawyers believe the FBI seized people's life savings in an unconstitutional manner. The FBI has seized over 800 safety deposit boxes that were located in Beverly Hills and held at the U.S. private vault store. Reports note that the FBI got an order from a California magistrate to seize the store's business equipment that ostensibly was tied to a money laundering case. The order barred the researches of the safety deposit box contents, explained the LA Times reporter Michael Finnegan. This warrant does not authorize a criminal search or seizure of the contents of the safety deposit boxes. The order signed by the U.S. magistrate Steve Kim clearly says. So here we have a video image obtained from the U.S. court in California shows federal agents confiscating items held in the U.S. private vault store in Beverly Hills. Lawyers say the FBI has abused its power and the forfeitures are unconstitutional. 369 of the boxes contain $86 million in valuables, and the raid took five days to complete. Federal agent Tom Mizrozek denies any wrongdoing and said 75 boxes have been returned and another 175 will be returned to owners. So the owners of the safety deposit boxes and their attorneys believe that the FBI has done them wrong. To date, 11 lawsuits have been filed by the safety deposit box holders against the federal agency. Lawyers representing a large number of box holders said the federal law enforcement agency did not obtain a standard issued warrant that notes probable cause. Benjamin Gluck, a lawyer who represents U.S. private vault store box holders, believes the FBI broke standard protocol. So the government can't take stuff without evidence in hopes that you're going to get it later, Gluck told the LA Times. The Fourth Amendment and the forfeiture laws require the opposite, that you have to have evidence first, and then you can take property. Speaking with the publication reason, Gluck noted that the federal agents are holding people's money hostage. Gluck said, in quotes, it was improper that the government seize these possessions in the first place. Unconscionable that they are using them as hostages to pressure owners to divulge private information and outrageous that they are apparently treated that the possession so carelessly that they seem to have lost at least some of them. A lawyer for a safety deposit box owner says the Constitution does not abide guilt by association. Joseph Ruiz lost his life savings in the FBI raid and said federal agents took 57 k in cash. Ruiz obtained the funds and documented Legal settlements in the FBI has given him no explanation. They just kind of stole my money, Reese said. I'm made out to be a criminal, and I didn't do anything. I'm a law-abiding citizen, he added. They throw people like Joseph into this upside-down world where they did nothing wrong, but they're forced to come forward to litigate against the government just to get their property back and prove their own innocence. Robert Frommer, an attorney for Joseph Ruiz, explained in an interview. Frommer works for the Libertarian Law Firm Institute for Justice and wrote an editorial about the FBI in Orange County Register. The Constitution does not abide guilt by association, Frommer argues. What the government has done here is completely backward. The government cannot search every apartment in a building because the landlord is involved in a crime. 
After all, when somebody rents an apartment, that apartment is theirs, the attorney added. Despite the accusations, the FBI denies that the federal agency did anything wrong. A spokesperson for the FBI, Tom Morzek, denies the federal agency misused its authority and noted that the funds were allegedly tethered to misdeeds. Finnegan's research notes that large stacks of cash kept by a person with no source of income can lead to forfeiture. We have some basis to believe that the items are related to criminal activity, Morozik insisted in an interview. Federal seizures, like its highlights, the benefits of crypto assets like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Bitcoin Cash, which are much harder to confiscate than box filled with cash and jewels. Countless reports over the last decade show law enforcement agents illegally taking people's life savings for traveling with large bundles of cash or precious metals. These legalized pirates have taken $46 billion from forfeiture cases, data from 2000 to 2019, and the U.S. federal government has kept the lion's share of the funds. In fact, U.S. law enforcement rakes in a billion a year in forfeiture cases and many never get investigated. The abuse has led to unprecedented levels of abuse to the point where human rights groups have dubbed the action policing for profit. The massive stash of cash and jewels taken yearly by the feds doesn't even account for the colossal quantity of land seizures federal agencies take in forfeiture cases. An attorney for an anonymous box holder, Jeffrey B. Isaacs, says, his unidentified client, James Poe, believes he did nothing wrong. Isaacs insisted that the FBI's recent private vault store raid is one of the most profound illegal search and seizure as I've ever seen. Prosecutors are attempting to extort people in exposing their identities in order to investigate them. It's unprecedented, and I think it's very dangerous, Isaacs concluded. So that's the final article, and yes, it looks like the FBI seized 800 Beverly Hills safety deposit boxes. Um, do you think cash and jewelry is safer than Bitcoin or Ethereum Bitcoin cash? Put your comments below and let me know what you think. So before we wrap up, let's just take a look at the cryptocurrency prices. And at number one, we got Bitcoin at $36,000, Ethereum at $2,374, Tether at number three with dollar, Binance Coin at number four with $336, Cardano at number five with $1.44, Dogecoin at number six with 31 cents, XRP number seven at 83 cents, USD Coin number eight at $1.00. Polkadot at number nine with $20.43. And last number 10, Uniswap with $20.88. And that wraps it up for today. Thanks again to everyone that stayed till the end. This is Dave's Daily Crypto Take. And hopefully I'll see you tomorrow. Please like, share, and subscribe. All the support and love is much appreciated. Again, this is me signing off. Thanks again. Have a good one.